Today is a very special day, and it's special not just because it's Father's Day, but today as a church, we're celebrating our senior pastor, Dr. Gene Lingerfeld, and 50 years of pastor preaching the gospel. Well, it all flew by, I know that. And uh, I know something else too, that on my own, I wouldn't know how to put one foot in front of the other. On my own, I'd be headed to hell and I'd deserve it. From A to Z, it's God. And what a gift to not only be forgiven, but to be allowed to work in his house. What a gift. What a gift, what a gift, what a gift. But it's all because of him. And I want to deflect and give the credit, the glory, and the honor to my father. You know, it's Father's Day. And this has been on my mind now for a couple of weeks that to give him the credit and the glory and the honor because he's our father. And he absolutely does not get enough credit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everything we have done, everything we have accomplished, everything we've achieved, as meager as it is, it is all because of him, all because of his love, all because of Jesus, all because of... <laughs> my constant companion, the Holy Spirit of God. It's all God. But we have a great privilege of cooperating with God. That's what we do. We say, yes, sir, and we believe, and we cooperate. And when we say, yes, sir, and we believe, and we cooperate, we can do impossible things. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because God is with us. Amen. And of course, you can't do impossible things if you don't have people to walk in agreement with you. So I want to thank Sue. She's uh, been a faithful partner all these years, and she was never afraid. I don't know how many men I've lost because they were afraid. Dear God. But uh, Sue is never afraid. And then the faithful partners that we have had. And uh, I hope you're re getting ready to get richer because I'll tell you what, prosperity like we have never seen or known is headed this way. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because when you, do, when you do impossible things, of course, it takes money. And God's got to, God's you know, Hollywood's not sending us any money. Right. You know, everybody's getting rich on the war in Ukraine, but they're not, so we're not getting a cut. So the only people helping are God's people. Amen. Amen. And so tell your neighbor, get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> Amen. The Lord... 
I got a list at I say at the end of my prayer time, and he uh, he told me to add something to it. It's, it's beyond my understanding or comprehension, but I said okay. But it's it's pretty amazing, amen. And uh, so I don't know about you, but I want to cooperate. And uh, if the Lord wants to open up the windows of heaven directly above Faith Christian Center, I want to be here and I want to cooperate. Amen. Amen. I, I, I don't want to be somewhere else. I want to be, I heard Kevin Fagan say in a, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003 in a message in a car this week, all the blessings of the Lord are at the deep end. They're not in the shallow part. They're in the deep end. Amen. Amen. Ready for the word? This is my Bible, it is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. As I'm taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. Give five people a high five and then you may be seated this morning. When Sue and I were serving as missionaries in Africa in 1982 and 1983, besides Sue's mother, no one sent us a care package except for Len and Kathy Mink. And in that care package were some cassette tapes of Len's latest albums. And on one of those cassettes was a song called, There Is A Way. And I must have listened to that song a thousand times in Africa because we had in our hearts to pioneer a church. And we had thought about pioneering a church in Austin, and we had thought about pioneering a church in Arlington. And while we were in Africa, word reached us that a denominational full gospel guy had pioneered a church in Arlington. Nothing came of that church, but in real time in Africa, I felt like God had taken us to the end of the world and dropped us off while great things were happening in America. And so when Len and Kathy Mink came for our mortgage burning here at Faith Christian Center on January 10, 2021, I asked Len to sing that song, There is a Way. Because in the year of the corona, God had made a way for Faith Christian Center to be paid off. Hallelujah. Well, he hadn't sung that song in so long. He had to hunt and search for the soundtrack. So imagine my surprise when out praying on Saturday, June 3rd, the Lord said to me, out of the blue, he said, I'd like to hear God's lion's den again. 
a message I wrote when I was 24 years old because I had a preaching engagement coming up in Honolulu, Hawaii on February 3rd of 1980, and I was stunned. I didn't think God paid that much attention to what we preached, but I guess he does. And let me say that when I had the office find this message in my home and scan it and send it to me while I was on vacation, I was stunned that I had written this message when I was just 24 years old. When, when I got done that day in Honolulu, Hawaii, and we got in the rental car to go back to the hotel, I, I said to Sue, I said, well, did I do a good job? She said, yes, but she said, I'll tell you something. I said, what's that? She said, you'll never be invited back here. I said, why not? I don't remember exactly what she said, but the point was, well, it was, it was too deep. And let me say something else, too, related to this. If God stops me out of the blue on a Saturday and says he wants to hear a message again that has not been heard for 43 years, that tells me time is short. The father must have been feeling a little nostalgic. These are not the days to shrink back and be destroyed. These are the days to run the course marked out for us with perseverance and see God do great things. This mess, the message is as it is 43 years ago, two years before Austin was born. All I've added is these introductory remarks and some remarks at the end, the conclusion. 1 Corinthians 10.1 tells us that everything that happened to his people in the Old Testament was written down as examples for us. And Hebrews 10.1 tells us that everything that happened to his people in the Old Testament were types or shadows of things to come. So the story of King Darius and Daniel was an example, a type, and a shadow of things to come. So here we go. For Father's Day and for Father God, Amen. on Father's Day 2023, preached in February of 1980 in Honolulu, Hawaii, and never since God's lion's den. Today on this Father's Day, we're going to talk about the atonement and we're going to talk about God's love for a sinning world. The price of our sin is not cheap. And saving man from his own sin was no easy task for God. Christians need to understand by what power they have been forgiven. And non-Christians need to understand by what power they may be forgiven. Let us begin with Daniel and what led to him being thrown into the lion's den. Daniel chapter 6 verse 1. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities 
that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So I want you to see that Daniel lived a life of excellence. Daniel did everything he did with a spirit of excellence. At this point, and, and also notice that the king had set in his heart, determined in his heart to set Daniel over the entire kingdom. At this point, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. And so the thing going on here is jealousy, the exact same thing that got Jesus killed in his day. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. And this is what Pride Month is about. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and praised, prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. In other words, Daniel carried on as normal. He did not submit and he did not punk out. These men went as a group. And I want you to also notice, punks always go as a group. They tell me a group of men wants to see me. My answer is, who are the men? Give me the names, but no, I'm not meeting with them. Say it out loud, punks always go as a group. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. And now we come to our passage this morning, verses 13 and 14. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Now, some people think they can save themselves by being good. But my dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, this morning, laws have been broken. God's laws have been broken. God's moral laws have been broken. And since, law, God, and since God's laws cannot be repealed or changed, a price must be paid. I said, since God's laws cannot be repealed or changed, a price must be paid. Someone must die. 
and someone must go to hell. I said someone must die and someone must go to hell. You see, Daniel had violated Darius's law and the violation of this law was a serious offense. Like Adam and Eve in the garden, Daniel knew about the law and then Daniel chose to violate the law and like Adam and Eve, he did so of his own free will. This law of Darius had a sanction, a consequence to underscore its seriousness and that sanction was death, physical death by way of the lions. Now Darius loved Daniel and didn't want to see him die. The task then was for Darius to remove the just consequence of death from a law violator he loved. And you have to understand this was a, a governmental problem. I'll say a little bit about this in the conclusion, but when you turn loose a bunch of felons, crime goes up. But somehow in our day and age, people can't figure this out. On the God side, man has violated God's moral law and sin is an exceedingly serious offense. And this law, God's law, God's moral law has a sanction to it, a consequence. To underscore the seriousness of the offense and that sanction is death, spiritual death by way of separation from God eternally forever and ever and ever. Now, God loved man and didn't want to see him die. So the task for God was for God to remove the just consequence of death from a law violator he loved. And again, this is a governmental problem. You cannot just pardon this guy and pardon that gal and let people off because mayhem will run loose in the streets as we know from our day now in 2023. So God's problem was to find a way to uphold his law. God must be just to his moral government in providing such an effective deterrent to sin that the enforcement of moral government shall not in any way be weakened when free pardon is extended to the guilty under certain conditions. Law, especially God's moral law, is for the good of all and not just a few. Now, Darius was bound to uphold his law. Chapter 6, verse 12, So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? And the king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So Daniel had violated the law, and Daniel had done so of his own free will. Now, Darius desired to show favoritism, but could not and be just. If Darius had simply pardoned Daniel, the sanction of his law would have been eliminated, thus weakening the enforcement of his law. In similar fashion, God is bound to uphold his law. <coughs> and what has God said? Deuteronomy 24, verse 16, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor children put to death for their fathers. Each is to die for his own sin. 
Ezekiel 18.20, the soul who sins is the one who will die. The son shall not share the guilt of the father, nor will the father share the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous man will be credited to him, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against him. And then Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now man has violated the law of God by his own free will. God desired to extend mercy to man and set free the people he loved, but he could not and be just. Acts 10.34 tells us that God is no respecter of persons, so he cannot favor this one over the other one. If God had simply pardoned man, forgiven man, he would have weakened the enforcement of his law. So God's problem was to find a way to extend mercy without weakening his law. God's law is not like the capricious law of Darius. God's laws are for our own good. Deuteronomy 10, 12, and 13 says, And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. Now, with regard to Darius, every law must have sanctions or consequences or it is but mere advice. Darius desired to extend mercy to Daniel. We know that from Daniel 6.14. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. But you see, to extend mercy is to weaken the law. Every time the penalty is exacted upon the lawbreaker, Moral government is strengthened. And every time mercy is extended to the lawbreaker, justice suffers. Not only does justice suffer, but as we see in our current days in the United States of America, when you extend mercy to the lawbreaker, society breaks down. I mean, we have an ex-Marine facing 15 years for stepping in between someone on a subway and the person they were attacking. And then we wonder why we read stories in these uh, liberal cities of women being raped on pool tables and nobody intervening and people being shoved in front of subway cars and no one intervening and people being murdered on subways and no one intervening. Why would you intervene? Because it, it, the lawless cities are going to lock up the person trying to help. So when you extend mercy to the lawbreaker, not only does justice suffer, but mayhem ensues. Unless a method of blending mercy and justice can be introduced into the system of government. Now you know from the story that Darius flunked the challenge. God's law is law. It is not but mere advice. Therefore, God's law has sanctions or consequences. God loved man, and God desired to extend mercy, but to extend mercy is to weaken the law. 
God discovered the solution. He discovered a way to blend mercy and justice and, and introduce it into the system of moral government. C.S. Lewis wrote, it costs God nothing so far as we know to create nice things, but to convert rebellious wills cost him crucifixion. So God's solution was to go to the lion's den himself. Darius sent Daniel to the lion's den. Darius loved Daniel, but not that much. So the king, verse 16, gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. On the other side, God loved man and God loved him that much. I said God loved man and God loved him that much that he went to the lion's den himself in the place of man. God himself in his son who was without sin was put to death for men's sins and went to hell for men's sins. Let me say that again. God himself in his son who was without sin was put to death for men's sins and went to hell for men's sins. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God went to the lion's den himself. God was put to death for men's sins himself. And God went to hell for men's sins himself. And so if you reject what Jesus did for you on Calvary's cross, there is no other way for you to escape the punishment you so richly deserve for violating God's moral laws. The death of Christ satisfied public justice. The death of Christ was a demonstration of the seriousness of sin and rebellion. The death of Christ was a demonstration of the fact that all willful violation of the moral law of God will not go unpunished. The death of Christ put to shame unrepentant sinners. The death of Christ became a roadblock to further persistence in sin. Now I know that my preaching is foolishness to them that perish. Because the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For all of eternity, Jesus, the Son of God, will bear in his resurrected body the eternal marks of suffering. The death of Christ revealed the moral character of the Godhead and thus opened the door to full restoration and fellowship. For you see, God is love and is merciful towards sinners willing to forgive freely upon evidence of repentance. God is also righteous in all his dealings and will not tolerate sin or rebellion in his universe. God has been grieved by man's sin and is filled with wrath at man's continued persistence in rebellion. All the Godhead shared in the sufferings of the cross for God is love and God is one. Now he's telling me to repeat a sentence here and he's saying to me that time is short. 
God has been grieved by man's sin and is filled with wrath at man's continued persistence and rebellion. You don't think what's going on will be allowed to continue to go on, do you? The death of Christ has humiliated unrepentant sinners by showing them the cost of their sinfulness and rebellion. Man cannot justify rebellion by claiming that God is vindictive because the cross proves that God is not. God is merciful. The cross proves that God is merciful and willing to forgive. The death of Christ has provided the means for man's complete redemption and transformation of character. I said the death of Christ has provided the means for man's complete redemption and transformation of character. We're talking about the power of God. We're talking about the power of God over sin. And we're talking about the transformation of character for the new creation in Christ Jesus. For there is no salvation or forgiveness without the transformation of character. Malcolm Muggeridge wrote, I have never wanted a God or feared a God or felt any necessity to invent one. Unfortunately, I am driven to the conclusion that God wants me. And C.S. Lewis wrote, God became a man to turn creatures into sons. Man does not like God or even want to know him. But man needs God for his own sustenance and optimum fulfillment. God loves man deeply and wants the best for him. God therefore attempts to win man back to himself because God created man for his pleasure. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but God does take pleasure in forgiving people of their sins. So now you have been told... There is no forgiveness of sins for those who spurn the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I say today, repent and live. Now one reason people have trouble seeing this today is all this liberalism. Liberals always want to be merciful to murderers, rapists, and kidnappers by setting them free into the general population. But is that merciful to the general population? God is not some soft-minded, shallow-thinking, modern liberal. He cannot pardon the sinner and let him roam around eternity causing trouble for others. The penalty must be paid. God is not some soft-minded, shallow-thinking, modern liberal. He cannot pardon the sinner and let him roam around eternity doing drag queen shows for children for all of eternity. The penalty must be paid. And since man is an eternal being, the lawbreaker must be imprisoned for all of eternity, separated from the general population for all of eternity. Lost and undone and without God and separated from God forever. But you see, the penalty for our sin was paid. It was not a pardon that we experienced. Someone else stood in our place. Someone else took the beating in our place. Someone else hung on the cross in our place. And someone else went to the prison 
called hell in our place. Jesus took the death penalty which we had earned and gave us his life, eternal life, instead. The wages of sin is death, and God must pay us our wages. God owes us something, and that something is death, and he must pay the debt, and he will pay it in full, for the soul that sinneth, it shall die. But Jesus Christ, who had no sin laid to his charge, ran in between the human race and the death penalty and bore it for us so that God, having made his son suffer the full penalty for sin, can justly pardon us. In John 8, 21, it says, Once more Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. He did not say this to tax collectors and women of the night. He said this to religious leaders. He said, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. If you are here this morning and you do not believe that Jesus, the sinless Son of God, stood in your place and took the beating in your place and hung on the cross in your place and went to hell in your place, you will die in your sins. Jesus told those religious folks, if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. And that is true for you here today as well. So I say to you on this Father's Day, repent and live. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And what a life it is. He said in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come that ye might have life and have it to the full. And what a life it is. Let's all stand. I want to give people an opportunity to make their commitments and decisions for the Lord. You might be here this morning. Let's bow our heads. You might be here this morning and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life. You've probably heard the gospel preached You've just never made the decision. You've just never taken the action. Faith without action is dead. You got to you got to do something about it. Jesus said in John 3, you must be born again. He said in Revelation 3, behold I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. So his work's done. Now it's up to us with glad and sincere hearts to hear what he has done and believe what he has done and to take action on what he has done. He ran between us and the beatings. He ran between us and the cross. He ran between us and hell. He's the only way. He said on one occasion, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other. 
How many this morning would say, Pastor, I've never made a decision to give my life to Jesus. I've never asked Father God to forgive me of my sins in the name of Jesus. But I want to do so this morning. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to, I want to say yes to what God did for me through the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up. Lift it up high enough to where I can see it. Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to give my life to Jesus. You might be here this morning and you're away from God. You're, you're not living for God. There was a time in your life you told God that you loved him, that you would live for him, and you meant it when you prayed it. But somehow over the passing of time, you've not made forward progress in the things of God, but you've gone back. You've gone back to the old friends. You've gone back to the old lifestyle. You've gone back to the old habits. The Word of God says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, we have mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Hallelujah. But it's all based on what Jesus did. If we confess our sins, not to me, not to a priest, but to Father God in the name of Jesus, we have forgiveness. It's all the work of God, and none of it is the work of us. How many this morning would say, Pastor, I'm away from God. I'm not living for the Lord like I know I should. But I don't want to continue living in a backslidden condition. I see that time is short. I want to recommit my life to God and live for Him from this day to my last day. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up, lift it up high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. Well, Father, I thank you for your word. It is an incorruptible seed. It has gone forth into the hearts of the hearers, and it will not return to you empty or void, but it will accomplish what you desire and achieve the purpose for which you've sent it. And for this, I give you my praise. But for the sake of everybody online watching, I'm sure there are people out there, and they want to be saved. They want to be born again. They want to take action on the message they've just watched. I want us to pray the prayer for their sake. If you're out there and you, you want to be born again, you want to be you want to recommit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, follow us in this prayer. Father God, I give you my life. Time's gone by. I've done my own thing, and I've lived for self. But I turn from that old way of living, and I give you my life. I ask in the name of Jesus that you would forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, purify me. Take out of my heart any bitterness, any unforgiveness, anything that would hinder me in my walk with you. I thank you for Jesus and that he took my place. I'm grateful and I thank you. I'll thank you forever. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Now, Father, I've done my part. Seems to me time must be short. I never thought you paid, <laughs> paid that much attention to what I was saying for sure. But I did my part. Now as they sang earlier, let heaven's doors open. Spirit of God, come down. Set a spiritual fire in this place. 
Let it spread across the states. And let it spread across the world that there might be a great revival. For the time is short. The same God that did not allow Sodom and Gomorrah to go on. The same God that did not allow Noah's generation to go on. The same God that would not permit Adam and Eve to remain in that garden. I know Father God will not allow what's going on to continue indefinitely. And so my prayer is, Father God, like we sang earlier, you'd open up the doors of heaven. Spirit of God, fall upon us. Set this place on spiritual fire. Let that fire spread across the nations. Let that fire spread across the world. And let there be a great revival before Jesus pulls his people up out of this mess. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Amen. Hallelujah. He's reminding me of a scripture right now. I don't have the reference with me, but when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard against it. Hallelujah. And that's what we need right here, right now. Father God, my Father who is watching over your word to perform it, <laughs> the enemy has, has come in like a flood, that's for sure. Now, Lord God, watch over your word and perform it and raise up a standard against it. In Jesus' holy name, amen.